Welcome to CPG Vibes. No script, just chat. We talk all things food and beverage and so much more. Feel our vibe and search for CPG Vibes on Apple Podcast or Spotify. And make sure to give us a five-star review. If you'd like to sponsor our show with your product or service or be a guest, email us at cpgvibes100 at gmail.com. Now your hosts, me, Alex Bear with Genius Juice and Wade Yeti. All right, welcome to episode 84 of CPG Vibes. No scripts, just chat. We are on a back-to-back episodes with just me and Wade. So it feels pretty good to mix things up a little bit. How you doing, Wade? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. This is truly no script. Uh, We are flying by the seat of our pants, more so than we ever have done before. But that's good, right? That is definitely good. Yeah, we had a... uh, an adjustment where uh, for those that uh, were expecting Luke Abbott to be on uh, this show, as you can see, uh, you're sadly mistaken. Um, he is not here. Um, he's going to be uh, on a future episode, which is going to be in October 27th, literally rebooked about 13 minutes ago. Um, so, yeah, we had some setbacks this week, but that's how it roll. That's how we roll here. You know, we don't plan this this stuff out. Uh, as Wade said, we just improvise as we go. But the most important thing is that, um, you know, we're here for the community. We want to answer questions, do shout outs. And there's also a lot of news to talk about in the CPG space that hit today that we can definitely fill the airwaves with airwaves with. So definitely, definitely. It's uh, it's been an interesting week, a short week work wise with the Labor Day holiday. But yep. that doesn't mean work stops. It means it just gets compressed into four days. So, uh Yeah. What's exactly. going on? What's going yeah. on? Well, it's interesting. Another thing, too, is, uh, again, we don't hold back on any information on the show. We literally created the link for the show, what, about 25 minutes ago, 30 minutes ago? If Something that. like that. Usually we do it like three days in advance and like I post about it. You know, Wade does is, you know, hey, make sure to tune in. Crawl, walk, run, blah, 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 blah. You know, like he does his post. You do yours, I should say. And we get... Um, some pent up demand and we market it. And that didn't happen this week. This was um, a perfect storm, you know, on, on my side, Genius Juice, just handling a lot of different projects. And uh, people in our household also got sick with this whole thing going around, whether it's COVID, whether it's flu, stomach bugs. So that put um, us out for half the week. So with all that said, we're going to see the true power of the show here. And it's already promising that we have 11 comments in the first like three minutes of the show that are coming in. So this is going to be tr- a true testament to how organic the show really is. How many people are tuning in without any marketing whatsoever? Yeah. Yeah. Very true. Very true. It's been a uh, hectic week and, you know, not to, uh, not to get off on a tangent, but uh, it, rumor has it, or I, I read and hear through the grapevines that, uh, uh, COVID is making, you know, a comeback in, in your neck of the woods. Is that, is that what you're seeing and hearing? Yeah, uh, feeling. Um, so, uh, I mean, you know, um, myself and, and my family, my wife, and Ashley and our son, Aaron, we uh, traveled to uh, Orange County um, last weekend. We went to Dana Point. We went to Mission Viejo. We went to Laguna Beach, as you know, a beautiful area there. And uh, we came back feeling sick. Um, we tested negative, so we didn't have COVID. But I usually get sick maybe once every two years, like where I'm really 
like not feeling good. I know something's wrong. Um, and, uh, this was one of those times, you know, we stayed in hotels, we went to public places, restaurants. Um, and, uh, so I think, um, I got sick for a couple days, but not really cause I can't be down. So I still worked and did what I did. And I, I went, I toughed it out. Uh, my wife got sick and then our son for the first time since he was born, he got sick and we took him to the doctor this morning. So there's definitely long story short, there's something going around. There's a resurgence and, uh, we're not going to be going to a lot of public places for the next couple months. Um, especially with a, uh, 11 month old in our house. Right. Time to, uh, take care, take care of yourself, take care of your family. That's all you can do. I know, uh, I talked to, uh, some of my friends out there, um, and they said, you know, starting to see a little bit of impact at retail as far as, uh, the labor force and just in general. So, uh, hopefully, hopefully it's, contained and uh isolated and uh you know you got back to school and some different things going on so hopefully that's that's just what what the uh the extent of it is yeah and they say the new um exactly and the new strain they're saying hits your gut um which is a good reason to have coconut colt and also kombucha uh (laughs) just had to do do a do a plug for that um but seriously um yeah that hit my gut pretty hard and so uh, when i got sick for like a day i don't know if it was COVID or not Again, I tested negative after the fact, but um, just um, make sure to the bulk up on your immunity, you know, have your functional mushrooms, which also has immunity in it. Have your your vibe, your suja shots, have some genius shots, get plenty of rest and uh, drink lots of water. And um, we got a whole jug of orange juice, organic orange juice in the fridge right now as well. Probably as orange as your shirt, Wade. So. Yeah, well, this is uh, in, in light of uh, football season, my Browns. Yeah. Browns open the season on Sunday against the uh, highly, highly favored uh, Bengals. So uh, on paper, it's a good matchup because uh, Cleveland is coming back and, and is predicted to do reasonably well this year, at least for them. And uh, Cincinnati, uh, not to keep on sports talk, but Cincinnati, Joe Burrow just signed the – or I don't know if he officially signed or is rumored to be close to signing the most lucrative deal in NFL history. I think it's uh, – Two hundred and seventy-five million dollars, something mm. along that, but along those lines, I think five years, two seventy-five. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, not too shabby. Not too shabby at all. That's definitely uh, not chump change, right there. Right. Yeah, crazy. And then, uh, and again, excuse my naivete. Football season is it starting this weekend? It, it officially started last night. There was a Thursday night game, but okay. uh, but college football started last weekend. NFL starts this weekend. So. Yeah, it's, it really explains why every single store I've been to, there's a display of chips and salsa. You're the tailgating. Tailgating is a thing. You know, it's funny because uh, in, in a planning and in, in just you know strategic standpoint, you look and you kind of roll from July 4th and then you roll into back to school and then you kind of do the uh, Labor Day thing, which then easily tra- which is kind of last summer. Hurrah. Mm-hmm. And that easily transitions into tailgating, which. Uh, depending on where you're at and and the legs, it could probably run at retail, you know, up up through the holidays. I mean, officially into Super Bowl, but obviously you have to make room for merchandising in, in November and December for Thanksgiving and Christmas. But uh, you could you could ride tailgating. Uh, there'll be football from now till the first week of second week of February. So yeah, um, and it's it's a big play for you know uh, you you have all your your big companies, your Fritos, your your mm-hmm. big soft drinks, CSDs. Uh, with with their POP that they have, obviously it's a huge uh, beer, uh, non-alcoholic beer, all that stuff. 
Um, it's 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 big business. It's big business, and it, and it translates across the store. You mentioned chips and salsa, so you can do your do your produce tie-ins. You've got your meat, obvious for uh, grilling and whatnot, and uh, it just it goes through the whole store. So it's 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 a little bit of a uh, a layover from you know those those summer holidays into before you kick into the uh, OND holidays. So it's 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 a good season. Yeah, and it really shows that there's so much planning. Um, I, I can only begin to understand it. You deeply understand it, being in the industry, right? And um, from the, the center store to just on the on the floor and all these different things, um, how much planning goes into the seasonality, the different items, the rotations. Um, and that's really why I have so much respect for, uh, especially just the, the boots on the ground at all these stores, right? When I go into Target or Whole Foods or any of these stores and what, that I see in Southern California and how hard these people are working to set things up correctly um, for the retail store. Um, it's, it's not easy. It's many, many hours. It's um, the displays. I mean, some of the football displays that I've seen in the past where like it shows like, you know, it's a whole wall of like colors, colors, like sparkling soda or whatever. And then like you see it's like a mosaic where you see like the logo of like the different teams. And that's not easy to that takes half a day. You know, it's I always uh, aesthetically, I always love those displays. They look fantastic and and they're impressive. But from a uh, from a sales standpoint and a shopability standpoint, they take up a lot of real estate. Yeah. And and you really they're almost intimidating to shop because yeah, you, you don't you don't want to take don't... a case off and screw well, it up. Right? Well, and, um, and, and, and oftentimes they're not even shoppable. They are for aesthetics only. Right. It's it's right. there's something lower at, uh, you know, at, at knee or waist that the waist that you can pick up. And so the you know, the thematics and everything around it is more for looks than anything. So it's uh, it's fun regardless, no matter how you slice it. You know, when you're um, when you're when you're looking at it from a. Uh, you know, from a fan perspective, it's it's always exciting for at least for me for Cleveland the first game or two, and then usually about four games in the season, I'm ready for basketball or something like that to take over because the Browns are terrible. But uh, from a retail perspective and a sales standpoint, it, it is it's it's kind of like like that shot in the arm that you get after after the summer holidays and that keeps you going till uh, till till Christmas and Thanksgiving. So. Yeah, it's a busy, busy, busy season between all those things that you talked about. You know the. Uh the sports and then you got, you know, Halloween, right. And the candy and the sweets and then Thanksgiving, it's, it's a race to the finish. And I'm sure, um, on Christmas Eve or Christmas day, people are going to be taking a much deserved, hopefully break after the madness. So, um, well let's, there's some comments here. There's a ton of comments. I I was going to throw some, but I'll let you drive, drive the bus. I drove a little bit last week. You, you can drive and uh, I'll just sit here and look pretty. Sure, sure. You, you have no problem in doing that <laughs> at all. You've always been, uh, I, you say a face for radio, I say a face for streaming. I'm going to one up that one. So yeah. if you, with, if you think, only, only with strong, uh, only with strong Wi-Fi connections. Exactly. Yeah. I was going to, I thought you were going to go the direction of like weak Wi-Fi connections so that you're <laughs> pixelated enough. Yeah. Yeah. Know. Yeah. Either way, either way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. So anyway, good stuff. All right. Well, some, some comments here. Um, and again, we're getting a lot of comments in, which is really exciting. So we have LinkedIn user, uh, way to probably need help on identifying. Think, who that I believe is. that's, I believe that's Sarah Stenner Delaney, but Scott Hartman's always also was, or is around. So I'm not sure which one that particular comments from. Yeah. He's always very kind of under the radar on the show, but then he usually has a little emoji of his face. You're like, Oh, it's the guy with the red hair and the, 
and the stash, right? And we're like, ah, oh, that's Scott. Well, if that is you, Scott, it is. Yeah, there you can see it. There it is. I was I spoke yeah. too soon. I didn't there even see go. it. Yeah, and Sarah, Sarah's showing up as LinkedIn user as well. So got it. We'll make sure to shout her out. Lisa Petty, happy freight is fun Friday. That's cow gal freight. Again, you know what you put into this show is what you get out by putting comments in and watching. We're going to shout you out and your company out to get you more business. So they do freight. So make sure to reach out to her. They do special lanes, very um, specialized. Um, as you can tell, I'm not a logistics person, but it's really damn good. Reach out to her on LinkedIn, send her a message. Um, Jeff Krinsky, how's everyone doing this Friday afternoon? Then we got this guy. What's up, everyone? That's Wade. And uh, we got Rich here. He's coming out firing with a few different comments. Happy Friday to everyone in the house. And we have some, this big news that just hit, okay? We're going to talk more about it. But CNS, I literally just read the news like an hour ago. Yeah, the news wire that CNS is acquiring like around 470 Albertsons and Kroger's before the merger actually happens or as it's yeah. taking place. Um, and we'll, we'll get into more detail, but I read that it's going to be like Arizona, Southern California. So some of the Albertsons here that are right around the corner will be owned by CNS and not Albertsons anymore. And so I want to get your, your feedback, Wade, um, yeah. when we get to that on what that, the implications of that merger and what, how's that going to look at a store level and also a distribution level. How do you distribute to Albertsons now? And how's that going to change for the brands? Um, <clears throat> so LinkedIn user. How weird yeah, when we call that's Sarah. On phone. Yep, that's Sarah. That's that Stender Delaney, right? Yep. Uh, so many people sick this week. Yep. The whole Bear household has been hit. And I can tell you Bear Aspirin does not help. At least it didn't, didn't help us. As much as I wanted to, it didn't. Um, and I, I have a funny line that I say, like, you know, when that, someone asks, like, how do you spell your last name? Like Bear, like the aspirin. And I like to think I relieve headaches. <laughs> Or create them. <laughs> or create them, or both. Yeah. That's right. Maybe you're in cahoots, right? You create them, bear aspirin, solves them, right? Exactly. I'm the, I'm the leading uh, re uh, revenue driver on their, on their P&L right there. Uh, that's funny. Gavin Conkle, what's up? LinkedIn user, it's my emotional calendar. It's on my emotional calendar every week. That's Sarah. Sarah. And then I'm going to keep on going down here near me. So I was talking about OC. I'm going to speed through a few more. Uh, Rich Moniz, I have two great grandmothers in separate retirement homes and both have COVID outbreaks now for the first time in a year or two. Yeah. It's terrible. So it's it's real. I think like a lot of people got, you know, just in general, we all got, we, people get laxed because we're like, it hasn't been really a, a surge for a year and a half. And I, I also read an article that um, cruises now are under fire because like cruises lost billions right during the pandemic, like yep. uh, carnival cruise. And, you know, there was another one, a big one, but all those guys, the Disney cruises. And uh, now that they came back a year and a half ago, two years ago, they just packed it in really, really tight to make up for that. And now it's too tight and there's long lines and the cabins are too close and everyone's too close together. And now there's outbreaks that are happening on cruises um, again, for the first time in two years. So that's also, there's a lot going on. Um, and then Stephanie Huey, what's up, Steph? Thanks for I'm your Stephanie. private messages on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. Always wonderful to hear from you and, and chat with you. Hello, Wade. Hello, Alex. Lovely Friday from San Francisco. 
And I'll be heading up to San Francisco in November. So, Steph, I'll let you know. I'll definitely swing by Potrero Hill. We'll talk supplements. <laughs> Maybe I can get a special deal, you know, from Whole Foods or something, right? Um, so, $275 million when they start and we get paid when we exit. Huh. Very different. And then a couple Very more. Um, uh, Yuval, who's going to be the co-host for the trajectory Pitch yep. Slam. Yep. They have like a quarter million in prizes. I mean, man, that's a lot. Maybe I appreciate, they're appreciate that, Yuval. I don't, I don't consider myself pretty, but I'll take your word for it. Yeah, he says, you are pretty. Hey, guys. Rich Monez, again, they're interesting because I noticed very well they're more likely to divert traffic. Oh, this is talking about the displays. Yep. Um, it kind of discourages people from buying it because, honestly, I don't buy from there. Cause I don't want to ruin the display. It's exactly. like perfectly mosaic and patterned. And, and I think more, like I said, I think more often than not, they are actually built that way. Right. And yeah. uh, the, the, if you look at it from a, um, you know, oftentimes the, the ask is for that to remain up for longer probably than it should. Right. I mean, normal, especially in conventional, you, you see uh, displays change over if not every week, probably every other pretty close. Right. I mean, cause there are, most of the displays are centered around their, um, their weekly promotional activity. And when you get a display like that, more often than not, that's not a week display. That's, that's much longer. So um, yeah, you're committing to that real estate. And um, those are, those are people that, uh, that have some good relationships. Definitely. Exactly. And uh, you know, Gavin said something here as well, which kind of reflects what you were talking about where, different types of displays. So palette displays, yeah, like like a liquid death palette display, especially yep. if it's like waist high or higher where you can just grab it and you just put it right into your car. You don't have to lift it up. These are all things that I'm sure retailers go through and ease of purchasing heavier items, getting it off the floor so someone you know doesn't hurt their back or whatever. And so I do liquid death displays all the time where I just take one right off. Um, to me, though, the most effective is end caps. I just like register, either register end caps. It has to be something that's a grab and go bar or a shot on the, on the, but what I see do really well, at least locally here, like in Sprouts or Whole Foods, has been chip and uh, end cap displays. Like this new, um, have you seen the new, uh, the Good Crisp company, the new line that came out with um, like kind of the, the ruffle, ridges? The ridges. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Like those are end capped. Like a, like a mofo across sprouts, at least. I see it in sprouts. Like every end cap I see is, you know, uh, and then I see them in, in an end cap in every sprouts. And so um, that's noticeable. You're going down the aisle anyway. You're going down the chip aisle. And you might actually avert and say, you know what? I'm not going to go down the aisle to get whatever other chip I was looking for because, wow, I just found one on the end cap. I'm going to grab this one. It's on sale. I'm going to save myself the time and move on. So is that... Is that like what retailers are thinking? Is that the psychology behind end caps or like, tell yeah. me more about like. Yeah. So there's, there's a couple of things that I, I would get into there. One, um, every store uh, has, has its traffic pattern, right. And, and maybe not every single person is following that shopping pattern, but the majority of people are right. I mean, you start and you walk in the door uh, depending on where you're at, you might lead, start with produce, uh, in a lot of the fresh natural stores, you're going to start with produce and you lead around, you wrap around in the meat and, and so on and so forth. But when you get into grocery, 
typically there's a, you know, a circular pattern or I'm not circular, like a figure eight type thing going on. So uh, you're putting your best, at least my experience is you're putting your, your best uh, value, your best display, the, what you're going to get the most dollars out of on the, on that first traffic pattern and, and then so on and so forth, right? You want to, you're, you're the most exposure to where the heaviest traffic is. And then from a floor display standpoint, you're just trying to, you know, it's kind of the same scenario, like a floor display being not a end cap, but just kind of like a, like we're talking about a pallet drop or something like that. But those are high traffic locations, typically in between perishable departments where there's some dead space that you can kind of, you know, build off of and you want to draw some attention to that, to that space. So, but uh, yeah, end caps are very valuable. I think Gavin's, um, Gavin's shown 800% growth, um, it's there's a lot there's there's a lot going on there as far as uh, you know and and I think a big part of it too is how it's merchandised right I mean um, it's got to be something that people want you so you mentioned chips you know and especially in natural especially uh, there's no secret there I'm not sharing any any trade secrets or anything like that that, that those categories chips beverages snacks those things are the are the are the categories typically that drive a lot of volume and velocity in, in those channels so uh that's why you're going to see you mentioned sprouts and you're going to see those type of items on display they're highly impulsive p- things people want to pick up and uh you know if you can show value they're more apt to to pick up a, a new brand or new variety or something like that so um you know i i would i would wager you to to go into excuse me, a a retailer like that or how conventional for that matter, you're going to see a lot of snacks on display and there's a reason for it. Gotcha. What have you seen just from your past experience as like the most popular, like within the snacks, like salty snacks or chocolate, whatever it is. And a typical day, not a holiday, like a typical Mm -hmm. Thursday in, uh, I got to think of a month where there's really no major holiday. Let's call it, um, you know, February 20th, right? The week after Valentine's Day, uh, you know, going into spring, it's not hot, it's not cold. What end caps across just the different grocery aisles? Like what is, what would be the most successful in your experience? In, in February. So you're, you, to your point, you're past, you're past Valentine's, right? And uh, you're getting into Easter. So some of your merchandising might be, well, Easter can fall in mid-March or yeah, you know, it changes third. so every year. yeah, so there yeah. there might be so assuming Easter's in April, um, and depending on where you're at, if you're in California, it's going to be different than if you're in Ohio and Michigan. But um, you know, if, if you're in the Midwest, you're still looking at it. You're still going to get a lot of legs out of soup, um, comfort food. You know, because it's still cold. You want things that people can make meals out of. You know, as far as that goes, snacks are going to be on display 24/7, 365, right? 52 weeks a year. It's just the way it is. It's it, you know. Uh, there's not any major sports sporting events there, but you're still people snack, right? I mean, that, that's going to be, so you're still going to see that. Um, what else would I see in, in February? You're, you've gotten out of your diet, your January, your new, you know, your new year's resolutions and things like that. So you're probably leaning more into some of those things because um, you, you're past that first week or two when everyone's going to the gym and all that stuff. Uh-huh. Um you might see some, you might be at a point, especially uh, at, at bigger retailers where um, you, you're you seeing more innovation and category reviews right then. So you might see some more new items because there's typically a lull around November and December with resets because of the holidays. So as you get into January and February, you're starting to see some new items flow in. 
um, it, as far as that goes. So that might influence your displays. But uh, yeah, I think that's the. And then Gavin, uh, you know, he's not he's not pulling any punches. Whoever pays you for the space, uh, if you're talking about a a larger retailer, um, you know those those displays don't come without a price tag more often than not. So right. yeah, right. that's that's certainly going to influence your decision making as well. It's going to play into it. Yeah, and you can just from from listening to Wade talking about this and thinking through it, there's so much strategy involved and in what goes where, and there's so many shelves, there's so many slots, there's so many end caps. But I think like in general, right, there's like rules to play by in retail, which is salty snacks and year round snacks are prominently displayed in grocery wherever you can. Um, you know, I would also argue like cereals that are on sale because you know, like, like parents want to buy cereal for their kids. Yep. And then um, the most interesting one for me is the evolution of the register um, little, whether it's the end cap or the little, you know, like right near the belt, right. Where you can grab something is what is how it's changing there in conventional. It's been like for many years when I was growing up, it's been candy bars. Right. And they put that low for kids to see. Right. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that's what they do. Like, you know, the kids are like, mom, I, you know, you've, you've seen this a thousand times and you're standing in line. Mom, can I have that Milky Way? Can I have that Crunch Bar? Can I have that M&Ms? Yep. It's really low, but they started lifting it a little more because, you know, uh, parents and also teenagers or single people uh, that don't have families yet are also buying those. Then you see gum. But I'm, I'm liking what the natural stores are doing because they're putting in healthy items like banana chips or whatever that are still healthy yet they're like addictive and there's something that you can grab on the go. Um, yeah. So I think it's, it's cool to see how that's really evolved in recent years with the belt. I mean, even whole foods, they put in like local, they still do this. It still happens. They have local brownies, local cookies from like local bakeries that are in there. Not as much anymore with the Amazon takeover. So, um, but yeah, it, it seems to me like that register area is, evolving from where it used to be the, the other thing i was going to say is especially on the conventional side the reason you see um so much of so much of those you know the those mosaic displays the frito the chips and snacks and things like that is the labor component because that's all done by merchandising teams right that's not store teams that are building those displays mm. so they that's something you know i can say hey frito hey coke pepsi who whatever right i could say the space is yours take care of it and then I can walk away from it. It's one less thing as, as a store manager that I have to worry about. I can look at the end caps and different things like that. So um, we got a good couple things in there. I know uh, Rich Rich asked about what a display like that would be worth. And does it become financially impossible for a smaller brand? I think it just depends on the retailer you're talking about. I mean, um, again, depending on your size and what channel you're in. Um, you could be talking about <clears throat> several hundred dollars, uh, which is on the very, very extreme low end uh, to several thousand and up uh, as far as that goes. And, and then the duration of the display. Right. I mean, as far as is it is it a week? Is it a month? Um, again, what channel are you in? But uh, does it become financial impossible for a smaller brand depends on your brand. I would say your category, because if you look at, you know, go back to Gavin's comment about the 800 percent lift, which is definitely Hi, you have to weigh the measure of what you're giving from a promotional discount, right? How much promotional monies are you spending? If you know you're regularly 4.99 and you're going down to two for six or something like that, the the retailer's ex, 
expecting a minimum, I'm guessing, 20 25% discount. And then the monies that we're talking about for the display are above and beyond those promotional monies. So you're getting hit twofold, right? You're getting hit with the discount on cost versus your everyday cost. And then you're getting a display fee, merchandising fee, whatever you call it on top of it. So you kind of have to go back again uh, to Gavin and that, that lift and say, okay, I normally sell X. Now I'm going to sell X times whatever that lift is. But, you know, my normal case cost is this, and it's going to cost me this much with the discount and the merchandising fee on top of it. You kind of have to do all that math. But I, I think the expectation is, especially um, in the natural and especially channel, and I probably say the conventional channel too, is you're going to be on promotion at least four times a year, at least once a quarter. Um, they're going to expect a promotion. So whether it's a paid promotion, display, uh, paid display is a different story, but they're going to expect you to be on promotion, have a tag on the shelf at least four times a year. So, yeah, exactly. Those yeah. larger displays, I would, I would say more than likely are probably going to be uh, financially hard for a smaller brand. I won't say yeah. impossible, but they would be hard based on the size of the price. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think fitting into that whole model of a smaller brand like genius juice is considered that because we're, you know, we're not a, uh, you know, we're not naked juice. We're not Pepsi. We're not Coke. And where we found success is, I mean, this is a really good example, like lazy acres, right. Or even Jimbo's where, um, we dig really deep in our backyard. Cause again, to, if you do this, this, whether it's national, whether it's 50 stores, a hundred stores, um, end cap display and you're a small brand, you probably would get eaten alive in costs and it'll be very hard to recoup that. Um, because you don't have the brand awareness, right. And all these different stores, and it's going to cost a lot of money for your promotion. Plus, as Wade said, just the cost of an end cap by itself, right. With all the labor and everything and that the store has to spend time on to, to display. And they're going to charge you for that. So I found that for smaller brands, Look at the chains where you do extremely well locally. It could be five stores. It could be Erwan. It could be Lazy Acres. It could be, you know, on the um, on the East Coast, Mom's Market, right? Not to confuse with Mother's Market on the West Coast. We love Mom's Market, Organic Market. That's in like Maryland and the, mm -hmm. you know, the um, uh, the Mid Atlantic region. Yep. Or yep. Northeast. Yeah. Yep. So so that area. And so like they have eighteen stores. I believe they have closer to twenty now. And so like if you know you're already selling well in one of these chains and the people love the product and you can get new customers because that customer is built to buy your product, find the right fit. You know, this is something that, you know, we've said before on the show and double down on that and spend a couple grand because you will get the return. And like, I mean, I just got to shout out a chain like Lazy Acres where they have a really affordable end cap program. It's extremely affordable, you know, shout out to Michael Gregory and everyone there that like you can pay, it's it's not that much. I won't say what it is, but it's not like $10,000 or something. And you can get on every end cap for a month right near the register and all their stores, including the new one in Los Feliz. And like, if you're already doing well at Lazy Acres, you're definitely going to see a return there. I mean, if you double your sales, you'll see a return because the cost is so low to do it. You do have to do a TPR. Um, that's part of it, but you're going to do a TPR anyway, right? No matter where you go, you know, whether you're on the main set or in the special end cap. So I, I like those types of partnerships. If you're a smaller brand where it's not about blasting it out to 400 stores and doing a little better in each store, it's about a 500% percent 
increase at five stores or 10 stores. Those right. little victories is what's going to keep your brand going. If you're, and I think, I think exposure is, is key there too. You know, you're seeing, you're getting your, uh, your product out and eyes, eyes of the consumer out there seeing it. And certainly uh, you mentioned lazy acres and, and a couple others there. And I know, you know, one of the things I did when I was in California was um, I would take pictures of our displays, you know, for the people that supported us with displays, I think, the, the, the other key is, is to make sure you're putting your money where you know that's going to get executed. You know what you're getting for that merchandising fee, that display fee, whatever it is, you know exactly what you're getting, right? And you're meaning you're going to get that execution, right? Because it's the, if you throw out, we've thrown out the numbers, a couple hundred, a couple thousand, whatever it is, and you don't get that execution, that's just money wasted. And I, I think, um, but going back to what I did, I would always, you know, take when we set the displays, I take a picture of the end cap uh, or the floor display, whatever it was, and send it to um, the brand or the broker and and, a, and thank them for the support and say, hey, you know, this is the end cap and, you know, whatever store I was at and, uh, you know, appreciate the support. And I know Gavin did a lot of that when he was at Earth Fair as far as when when they did their changeovers, which I think they did a lot of monthly programs as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but kind of doing the same thing, like appreciating the brands for the support and showing them, Hey, you, this is what you got for your money. And, and, you know, the proof's in the pudding. So I think there's a, there can be a lot of value there. It just has to be with the right partner, um, that's going to execute. Exactly. Exactly. And I think, uh, a lot of it too, not to, not to, uh, beat a dead horse here, but there's also long-term, it's hard to measure long-term results. It just really, really is like how much was from the sale, how much was from the end cap. But I think, if you have the right store, the right display with the right customer, you will undoubtedly, because to me, the biggest reason to promote is not for that two weeks of increased sales. That's like, you know, icing on the cake. It's the permanent lifted sales over many years, getting those three new customers that become devout customers and they're going to buy it every single time because you know what? They just didn't know it was in the store because it had like two slots or three slots. And now they saw a display and now they're aware of it. And now every time they come back wanting to buy it over and over. So lifted sale, I think that's a big thing for just VP of sales and owners that don't do it. Don't do a promotion just for the two weeks of lift. Do it for the long term lift. And I would definitely measure that to see if it's working, because if you're promoting the hell out of your product, you're seeing like doubling, tripling. And then after the sales over, it goes back to what it was before for the next six months. To me, Wade, that's that's a problem that needs to be solved, whether it's you didn't get enough people to buy it in the sale that were new people, or, and we've talked about this, like you offer it at such a discount, people are just going to buy it because it's on discount versus buying something else they normally buy. And as soon as your price goes back up to normal, they just continue buying the other product. And, and there's a fine line there. The other piece of that is exactly what you said, but also if you promote too often, yep, customers get trained for that, right? I mean, and I I, I look at this, um, I, I had this conversation with somebody this week um, uh, with ice cream, right? I, going back to my conventional days, um, there wasn't a lot of brand loyalty in, in ice cream. And so we would promote ice cream like a different brand uh, pretty much every week. Um, because, you know, obviously it's a big category, right? Um, but what we found was uh, when you look at each brand and you look at the category as a whole, um, I think that the numbers were staggering. They were like pushing 70 to 80% of the sales were on promotion. So mm-hmm. you can flip the switch that you've turned, you know, your, your, mm-hmm. what you, 
want to do to drive volume and drive your everyday volume into training the customer to only buy your product when it's on sale because it's on sale so often. So they'll stock up and just wait for the next sale. And so in, in the case of the ice cream that I'm talking about, you know, the brands would customers would were trained at, well, there's, there's an ice cream every week. I'll just, I'll buy my, you know, I'll, I'll just make up the names, right. Briars this week, I'll buy, I don't know, Haagen-Dazs next, whatever, right. They'll just go trade off each week and right. it's on right. sale and you're never getting that regular price, regular price sale. So I think that's where that fine line is. I think that's also why, you know, there's, you can make a case for the EDLP part of it mm-hmm. where you offer a fair price every day. You don't have to push, push the, um, push the promotions, right? You're just fair every day and you get your turns, but you're giving up some of your profit because instead of having that high, low selling here every day and selling low on promotion, what have you, you're just selling at this every day. So it, it erodes your profit margin a little bit, but hopefully you make up for it in velocity. Yeah, exactly. There, there's so much there. And like listening to you talk about this, it's it's like so highly strategic. It's based off the retailer, the product, you know, the market, the demographics. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, a quick case study is I talked about it before on LinkedIn is one of my biggest posts of all time that got, I think, over 100,000 views was our failure at Publix, right? We went into Publix. Publix is a great retailer, but we went in there with our smoothies at $3.99, which I thought was low, right? At the time, this was three years ago in 2020, just the start of the pandemic. And, uh, you know, I realized that 399 was high in Publix. You know, it was high. Like there was juices and smoothies that were 299 that were all discounted. So we fell into that trap of, oh, oh shit, you know, the buyer is telling us we need to be on discount or a a sale to compete and get those customers. And we'd see that happen. We'd go down to 299, sales were insane, go back to 399, it goes back to level. Go, you know, two months later, 299, sales insane and so forth and so on. And then we started getting even deeper and doing BOGOs, right? So now we're like, the volume's not enough when it's organically being sold, right? Without any sales. Now we got to do a BOGO to get some of those new customers. And we ended up falling in the same trap. And it got, we did that for about six months. It wasn't like three years of doing it, but we would get calls from people in Florida, right? I usually, we don't get calls from people. Usually it's like an email, but getting like a call, they would actually find my number and Google or something like that. And so their message, they probably didn't know it was me, right? They thought it was just a customer service rep. And they'd be like, when are you going to be on uh, I love your genius smoothies. Um, great product. Um, when is it going to be on BOGO next? Because yeah. I'll buy it. And I, re- I realized right then and there with all these people calling that um, we were in there prematurely. We didn't have the brand recognition. We didn't have the volume. So the costs were too high. And it would have been better to go to a smaller retailer, maybe at an EDLP, right? At a more mm-hmm. fair everyday price that we can sell year round and uh, yeah, and not worry about promotions. And hopefully it sells well enough to stay in the stores. So yeah, there's a lot there. I think you can have a whole, you know, your own podcast on merchandising and promotions and yeah, you're really, you're, you, you know. That's, that's the uh, paid one that, right. That's going to be paid the, one. Uh, yes. Yes. The paid one. But uh, no, there, 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 there is a lot of strategy there. And I think it really, uh, it's, it comes back to knowing your customer and, and to your point um, with that Publix example is, is realizing what those price points are 
you know, it's things we've talked about in the past. When you look at the category, you know, if you're presenting for a category review, um, you, you need to understand, first of all, is the retailer the right fit for you? Um, but beyond that, you need to look at what's already in that, um, in that category at that retailer. And, and I've, I've mentioned this multiple times about, you know, just take 10 minutes and Instacart their website and, and see who's there, what their price points are. So you kind of know um, what those profit margins are or what the expectation is. Right. And, and again, using your example, if you, you know, not that you didn't do this back then, you know, if hindsight's 2020, but if, if you could do it over, I'm guessing you would have to your point, either not, not going into Publix or, came in with a different strategy, right? So if you're trying to break into a category where the average price point is between $2.99 and $3.99, you're coming in with a $5.99 product, uh, I think you need to um, you need to either rethink your price points or mm-hmm. uh, rethink the presentation because it's it's going to be an uphill battle um, as far as that goes. So, exactly. And, or you have to be a big differentiator in the category, right? Mm-hmm. What are you bringing to that category at $5.99 that they don't have that that is is understandable and the coconut coal and they're 99 to, versus and they're 399 right customer understands it there or you can educate the customer exactly and 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 they're willing to pay that difference and and that's the caveat between between price points but that's a very limited exception there those success stories are few and far i would say so 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 rare i mean the two brands are coconut coal and midday squares where they or at a higher price point, right? For a little chocolate square bar that I can finish in two bites, they're two forty nine a piece, or two for five, or maybe two dollars when they're on sale at the at the minimum. So midday squares, um, you know, Jake Leslie and Nick over there, they've done a great job holding steady at the price point, like not succumbing to the pressure because that is ex- expensive. Like when you look at a national on a national basis for a square. $2.49. But like you said, that's one of the rare cases where there's social media, just insane. I think it's, I think to me, I would argue it's the best CPG social media out there. Not second, not third, the best. They may not be the biggest brand, mm-hmm. but they are getting there. And I think they're going to get to a hundred million. Like I, I, I'm like, I remember talking to Jake when they were at like a couple million, right? Now they're, I think, you know, they've been public with this information. I believe they're at 30 or 40 right now uh, this year. So it's insane what they're doing. But Coconut Cold did this. Midday Squares did this. Poppy also did this with their social media. They were on TikTok very early. If you listen to, um, I think, Allison, right? Allison's the co-founder to her early podcasts um, about being on TikTok and how TikTok would be the next big thing. And so, yeah, that is so rare to see a brand take off with social media and drive uh, traffic um, to a store. So, yep. Right. I wanted to, I wanted to talk on this comment from Gavin here for a minute because uh, it, sure. it's, it's kind of, it resonates with me from past history and experience. So um, we went through a spell uh, in my past where we had some problems with price perception as, a, as the, the retail, right? We were, and, and rightfully so. I mean, we were, you know, in markets competing against Walmart and Aldi and, and um, times were tough. I, I wouldn't say it was quite as difficult as the inflationary, you know, the, the, what we've seen recently, but times were tough and, and Aldi was trying to expand in the markets we were in and in doing so they were doing some really stupid things with the eggs and milk category. And huh. so they would lower their prices in eggs and milk. 
uh, and Walmart would do the same to match. And, it, you know, I'll throw out numbers. I, I think we saw, you know, eggs like 29 cents a dozen. We saw gallon milks at 99 cents. It's just stupid, stupid things. Right. And so to Gavin's point, talking about EDLP, you're talking when you talk about all you talk about Walmart, you're talking about retailers that that's who they are. That's what they do. EDLP. You don't see, quote unquote, sales there. And so we went through a spell where, well, maybe we should offer some EDLPs. And, you know, you, you can't win that game competing against Walmart. First of all, you've built your reputation being a high-low retailer where customers are coming in your store each week expecting value and expecting hot prices on, you know, from that you have to come in the store because next week they aren't going to be there. Um, and to try and transition into that Walmart model where, no, it's not, it's not that come in today because the price is going tomorrow. It's, it's every day. You, you can't sell that to the customer overnight, the customer that you've trained for literally decades, that this is how you operate, right? So it's a real, it's a real fine line. Um, EDLPs can make sense in certain categories and things like that. Uh, you know, I, I think of um, yogurt, for example, was a good category where you had a fair price every day. Every once in a while, you pop in a 10 for 10 or something like that. But you had a, still had a, a fair price every day. Yep. Um, but if you try and do it too much, um, first of all, you're not going to beat your competition. Number one. Number two, you're going to give up margin like like Gavin said. So. Exactly. I think um, yeah, when you look at it, I'm, I'm just thinking of mass market now that Target does a really great job of that, in my opinion. I think that's why Target has been so successful because Target, um, you know, I don't know, I don't know the exact history of them, but I know there was maybe a new CEO that came in like when they started really rising and doing a lot better. They redesigned the stores, right? They made the stores nicer. They have a market section, but they don't do bottom barrel pricing at Target. They're not as high as Bed Bath & Beyond because that was ridiculous. And that's why part of the reason they went out of business. But they do it at a fair price, but a, at a high enough price where it seems like it's high quality. And that, that gives you that perception, which is also usually reality, that it's high quality and you're going to buy and you're going to spend some extra money. But then they pepper in some of the sales as well. The other thing, Wade, that I, I notice where retailers either go right or wrong is they have too many things on promotion at the same time, you know, so like you go into, and it's okay to have, you know, you know, if you go into, um, the refrigerated set, you see an almond milk on sale, a yogurt on sale and a refrigerated bar, like a perfect bar midday squares on sale. Cause it's all in that general section and maybe a kefir also on sale or something like that. But when you have one category, one window where there's four yogurts on sale, all the yogurt brands lose. Right. Because it's going to be a zero sum game. They're not going to get those incremental sales when there's four, three other brands next to them also on sale for a similar price with that yellow tag. And so like some retailers just don't do a great job. A lot do, but some don't of not having discipline when they just have too many things on sale within within one eye line, within like literally one row. And that to me is really unfair to the brands. Yeah. And it I would say um, it, it really, I agree with you. It also, some of that, how, how significant it is or how effective it is depends on the category you're in, right? Going back to that ice cream example, you know, at least in the market I was in, in, in at that time, uh, there wasn't a lot of brand loyalty, right? The people would trade the different brands for what was on sale, but in other categories, and I might say yogurt is one of them, 
and, and I'm saying this because for personal reasons, at least in my house, um, there is a little more brand loyalty. Like uh, if you look at Chobani, for example, and Oikos, and uh, I don't know what the other one would be um, in my house, at least with my wife, she's not going to switch because there's one she likes. She doesn't like the other one. You could sell it cheaper. It doesn't matter. There are some exceptions that, you know, and the other one, believe it, believe it or not, and I, we don't buy a lot of it here, but uh, CSD, Coke or Pepsi, right? More, most people like one or the other. They don't like both. So exactly. you, can, you can have one on sale or have both on sale, but they're going to pick up the one they buy because they're, they like Coke or they like Pepsi. So there are some categories that you can get away with it in. But um, to your point, it doesn't make a lot of sense, right? I mean, from, from my strategy uh, when I was more conventional, um, you want to have some kind of offering TPR, some kind of activity in each category in the store. As you walk up and down, down the aisle, you want to see some TPR tags. Um, so if you're in the pickle and relish, you don't, do you need all of them? No, but should you have at least something in the segment? Yes. And so I think that was kind of strategically what we were looking for is to have some activity in each category throughout, but not more than, you know, I, I don't need every pickle in the category because then you're exactly right. You don't, you don't have, um, the lift that you're looking for, for sure. Exactly. And um, the other thing that's really interesting, and we'll go to comments just to change the subject a little bit, is is a um, launch strategy with distribution where you launch, like, let's say there's, I mean, this is a good example, Albertsons and Pavilions, right? Albertsons owns Pavilions. Pavilions is considered, you know, um, a high-end version, right? Um, if you go to both stores, you see a little bit higher prices, little bit higher end, a um, little bit more ritzy areas with pavilions, right? There are Newport and Pals Verdes and all this stuff. And so if you're a brand that launches in pavilions and you do well in pavilions, does that mean that you need to go to Vons, right? To the next level. And that, that was the same thing that happened with us is we went to Greenwise, right? Which is the upper scale versions of Publix, Publix owns Greenwise. And we did well in Greenwise. And so from there, we went from Nine green wise. I mean, if you look at this in hindsight, it's definitely 2020 from nine green wise stores to 550 publixes, you know, and like, so you have to make a decision as a brand because the buyer, you know, does what they can. They have so many categories and so many brands are looking at the buyer makes an educated decision from afar, right? Just looking at, oh, he did well in the small or small chain. This could possibly do well in the big chain. What do you think? Mr. Brand owner, what do you want to do? Don't always fall into that assumption that just because you did well in the small chain of stores doesn't mean you're going to do well in the large chain. And so that was a big misstep that we made. Again, nothing off Publix. They did a great job onboarding us, ordering it. It was always in stock. There was no issues on that side. But this also applies to pavilions and um, Vons. This also applies to Central Market and HEB. So there's a lot of those. There's also Harris Teeter, right? A lot of people go into Harris Teeter, which is in your neck of the woods. Yep. Uh, they're under the um, Kroger, Kroger, right? Under the yep. Kroger banner. Yep. And so people do well in Harris Teeter because they're really just, they got that place on lock in that area. And uh, you think, oh, I got, I went, I got, I did well in Harris Teeter. Uh, I'm going to do well in Kroger now. Let me launch in 2000 stores. So these are all cautionary tales, case by case, right? Definitely. Definitely. And I know you want to get some comments there. There's there's plenty to look at. Yeah, let me uh, we have probably about 30 or 40 comments. Let me go through this here. 
Ba, 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 ba. So Rich Monez, many shoppers are trained to notice end caps. Ironically, though, the first four foot section of an aisle is largely overlooked. That's true. And I'm going to get through this very fast, rapid uh, auctioneer style. Yuval, thank you, my man. Congrats on the shots. I'm still going to visit you in Sedona. You can hold me to that. I'm going to do it. Gab, my past life end cap display showed. I think we already showed that. Uh, let's keep going. Gavin Conkle, olive oil and produce, chips at front of store, chocolate bars on front end displays. You just got to know your store and yep. your customer. And I would I would argue too, I mean, even in this seasonal, this area right now, adapting that sanitizer, cough, hmm. you know, something, a spray for your, your, yep. your throat. Yep, cough drops. Cough yep. drops, all that kind of stuff, immunity shots having that near the front right now. I think obviously retailers have thought ahead about that. Um, yeah, we already went over that. that. Adam Brown. What's up, my man? Wade loves to sling candy to the kids. <laughs> All right. Health, healthy candy, right? Yeah, there's healthy. I mean, midday squares, I wouldn't consider candy. It's just chocolate. So Gavin Conkle, I want to take credit for the shift. The natural, I definitely started it. <laughs> All the credit goes to you, my man. That's right. Lance Leonard, welcome to the show. Proposal in California, remove unhealthy snacks from the checkouts. UK already addressing this to fight obesity. That would be good. Um, many, there's what? Probably about 80,000 stores in the US that would need to switch over or right. more. Because you're, now you're talking convenience stores. Now you're talking 7-Elevens. I mean, yeah. yeah the amount of convenience to me, man. I mean, we talked about it last week, but that to me is, is, is if you can design a product that can go on a countertop at a convenience store and you can close those one by one, you know, yeah. through a distributor, 7-Elevens, seven, a lot, 7-Elevens, a lot of them are owned by franchisees, franchisors, right. Right. franchisees. But I'm not sure how their assortment is picked. I think their assortment might come from higher up, I'm guessing, but I don't know that. It, it's weird. Like I'm not deeply familiar, but maybe someone who's sold into 7-Eleven knows, but there's some chains of 7-Eleven that are owned by like one person where you can go to them and they could bring it in. I think they have to get approval from corporate. Right. But then there's like corporate stores where everything goes through Dallas and like you right. can't even approach that single store. So it just all depends. Hank Watt, how you doing, brother? Uh, come on, Alex, you want mm -hmm. 2,000 doors, you know it. <laughs> Execution is so important and highlighting it to the community. Mm -hmm. Retailers can track at brands can too. Prior, prior to a big promotion display, you have base dollars and base units. Run the promo. Uh, the next month, your display and promotion got in new hands and your base sales. Yeah, that's true. So we're talking mm -hmm. about that you can track yep. the lift long-term. For sure, hundred yep. percent. Gavin Conkle, yogurt and ice cream, notorious for that and conventional. That's kind of that Promotional, trading yeah. one for the other, and 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 that's another thing. Just as a brand owner, you may love ice cream, you may love yogurt, but you got to think. You know, follow your passion. You got to think about what's going to be differentiated in the store. Like, what could be something that a consumer is not going to trade you up for someone else? They're going to see yours. Your brand is powerful. And the product is powerful. And I think like origin stories are huge to me. I think of Manitoba Harvest, right? I think of Mike Fata. Yep. To me, that's like the poster child where he brought something the world has never seen, at least not on a mass scale format. 
And at the time, he had such a head start right, with the sourcing, lining all that up, that he was able to get it out there without really any major competitors. And uh, hemp seeds, it's not like there's 20 hemp seeds right in the aisle. There was one or two, maybe. So that's a good that's a good example of being unique. But Wade, the other part of that, too, which I'm sure you know what I'm going to say, like it's a huge risk with single origin products like chia or pomegranate or watermelon water and like all this stuff where you can it can go either way. Yep, me. definitely. So, definitely. Uh, any other comments here? I was gonna, yeah, I was going to say I had one I was going to I think um, let me find it there. Somebody asked you something. Here we go. This is Sarah. Yeah, so that's a really good question. Well, I know a lot less about it because we are really diving more into non-promotional type accounts like coffee shops, food service. Uh, it depends on your product. It depends on, depends on seasonality and it depends on the retailer and when they recommend to have a promotion. Because sometimes, you know, when you talk to the promotional planner, they're like, well, don't do it in January because that's going to be all these products. Do it in February or March because your section does much better in those months. So it's literally, I don't want to sit here and say, you know, February, May, October, December. It's all based off the retailer, where things do best and uh, what section, what category that you're in. I think that's a fair answer, right? Yeah. And, and I would I would say for your product, Sarah, um, you know, in my experience, um, it depends on how you want to market it. And I, you know, I have an idea of what you're doing, but I probably want to have a conversation with you to get a better idea strategically of where you want to go. But, but you, you know, you're a non-alcoholic drink, um, obviously delicious. And um, you could go a number of ways. You could, you could play off the uh, non-alcoholic piece and, and, and piggy piggyback on the sober January, whatever that is that people do. And I think there actually might be a sober September thing too. So you can get some play totally. there. Holidays yeah. when yeah, people are could, drinking. Yep. Is it, you could market yourself as an alternative or promote yourself. And you know how to market yourself hopefully. Um, but you, you promote yourself as a healthy alternative to these tailgating drinks. Like, so, Hey, you know, my husband's picking up this 12 pack of Bud Light and oh, I'm going to pick these up for myself. Right. And do it that way. Obviously, in the spring and summer, you can push the cold aspect and try and get some play on some ice barrels or some things like that, some placement um, in the cold box or incremental placement throughout the store to kind of go for that. Um, but, yeah, there's there's it really depends. But but Alex hit the nail on the head. It's really about your retailer, because, um, you know, a lot of times we give uh, I give I say I won't put this on Alex uh, a little bit of flack to um brokers or that, that present you know, five, six, seven brands to a category manager. And they just want to get one in. They don't care about the getting all of them. And they just want to get one in They're They're just trying to get something right. Um, more often than not, you're going to have a good selection of beverages to promote every single month. So you want to have a good relationship with your buyer, your category manager, uh, your owner, whoever it is that's making the decisions. Um, that they can tell you when the best time would be to promote your brand and, and what they will partner with you on to get the most velocity, right? Um, they, I know in my past, I would say, um, you know, if I came, if, if a snack, we talked about snacks a lot, if a chip vendor came to me and said, hey, I want to I get to do a big promotion, yada, 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 I would just be transparent. I would look at them and say, hey, listen, I've got, I don't know, again, making things up. Frito in the ad this week, you don't want to put your hottest promotion this particular week because you're going to, you're not going to get the space and you're not going to get the velocity you're looking for. But 
if you wait a week or push it back two weeks, I don't have anything planned. I can do something big with you there. And so that's the kind of relationship you want to, you want to, you know, going back to knowing where you want to be and how you want to grow. Those are the kind of relationships you want to go on someone that can help you, uh, you know, push your business in, in, in the right way. So. Exactly. Exactly. Nailed on the head right there. And, you know, looking at it too, man, I just got to say, you know, we talked about, uh, you know, non-alc, right, which is where Sarah's brand really kind of floats into, right, is kind of that social drinking, has some functional benefits to it, delicious, um, that I just see big things for that category, man. Like, mm-hmm. I just, like, one of my friends, I'll, I'll you know, uh, remain nameless, he's not on LinkedIn, so it's not Gavin Conkle. Um, <laughs> he used to drink all the time, college, and he was on his way to being basically like an alcoholic. And now he's, you know, it's a huge turnaround story. He's enormously successful, um, worth millions, um, does extremely well. And, you know, he sent me a picture the other uh, day where he's like, I found this at Sprouts. It was Hyo, H-I-Y-O, yep. which, which is like the social tonic. And like, he's like, I love this because it has the ashwagandha and this. So like he feels the relaxation, a little bit of that buzz, a little tingliness legally. Right. Um, you know, it's not like it's not a drug or something like that. And it also tastes really good and it's low sugar, low carb. Um, and then like we talked about on the, on the, you know, it's a, it's a controversial product now, but feel free, right. As Kratom, which is mm-hmm. controversial right now, yep. uh, feel free released a non Kratom version with Kava root, which is a lot cleaner, a lot healthier. It's in supplements and Kava root, you know, when taken, taking enough of it, you feel the relaxation, you feel it within about five, 10 minutes without any weird side effects. And you don't, you only need a two ounce bottle. You don't need to drink an entire can uh, or a cocktail. So, and then there's also mocktails, which are getting yep. very big as well. So like this whole movement, you see it on LinkedIn, right? Like people dropping alcohol, alcohol has caused so many issues and um, it's expensive. It, it damages your health. It's damages relationships obviously everything in moderation right it's you know i'm not a radical on it but but usually alcohol goes beyond moderation right in the culture so i think these social tonics with like adaptogen ingredients there's something there man that's going to be a much bigger category yeah and and i know we're we're getting we're well geez we're over on time time flies when you're having fun um and there's a couple things i want to talk about real fast but um i'll just say this I, i I, I agree with you. I, I was starting to see that in California when I was there. Have not seen the. Um, I had just had this conversation with somebody. Somebody messaged me on LinkedIn and said, "Hey, blah blah blah." You know what? You know, asking me my my opinion on this. And um, I'll give the short version. It's um, I agree with you. I think there is going to be continue to be a need and a a customer for this. Uh, certainly, the big boys of the world, the Anheuser Bushes and those, they're not going to go down swinging. Right. So I think you're going to have your own. Yeah. Sure. You're be- exactly, exactly. Your but your best play is going to be again, partnering with your buyer and, and, and trying to get um, a, a side stack, right. If you've got a display of, of an alcohol choice, here's the alternative. Right. And, and, and we, we haven't, uh, I don't think I've been anywhere that I've seen it done very well yet, but I see it coming where, there needs to be a, a section that's merchandised right there because it's, it's, it's a logical choice for velocity. So that, you know, there's, there's consumer, again, I gave the example of the guy buying this and his DD is buying that there needs to be some choices. And 
um, the logical place to look for those choices is next to the item that you don't want to choose. Mm-hmm. Meaning, you know, you know, so um, you're you're looking for sugar alternatives next to sugar, right? You're looking right. for caffeine, you know, non-caffeine. Exactly. So there needs to be a merchandising shift, and we're not there yet. Um, I don't see it widespread, but I think I think we'll get there. And, and the growth will come. But the, the only other thing that I wanted to say, because again, I know we're short on time was um, uh, there's some talk about MCBs and OIs and, uh, and, and I know Sean chimed, chimed in on that, but all I was going to say about that is, uh, and, and I think Sean, Sean hit it was that uh, oftentimes those larger distributors and Alex, you can, you can help with this. The unifies and the KEs, those larger distributors are going to require a minimum uh, set of OIs over the course of a year. Am I right in saying that? Is like you're going to have to participate, and if you don't, you could, in Sean's words, get penalized if you don't. Right? Yeah. I mean, don't get me started. Um, well, I was going to say you don't have to name names, but but there yeah. are some requirements. As far there, are, there as, are exactly it's, that's yes, yeah, and and uh, for me, it's just yeah, it's it's a longer, obviously longer conversation, but that's the challenge, you know. Again, without naming names. Um, is that when you play on a national level, it's go big or go home, right? It's go big with your spend, go big on the expenses, go big on the merchandising, getting people to cover these stores. And I think early on as a brand, you need to make a choice. Am I going to go national? Because if I go national, I'm going to have to raise more money or have a really high margin or profit margin in order to cover the additional expenses and overhead to go national. Or should I stay uh, local or regional and go a more niche path like food service or coffee shops or whatever it is. And I think a lot of brands have identity crises there where they try to do both and then they get diluted, which is, I think, Wade, in my opinion, probably the number one reason why brands fail Um, beyond the, if the product is a fit and the product is selling to me, that's the number one reason is you're regional and you take it national when you're not ready. Yeah. It's certainly up there. It's certainly up there. Yeah. Um, yeah, Odyssey elixirs are very good. There's also space tea. Have you seen that one? Oh, oh yeah. There's, I, I mean, there's, there's, so there's, many. A, there's a bunch, there's a bunch. Yeah, we can it's, just... it's becoming saturated where it's going to be hard to get. Well, in. and that's where you have to have a quality product at the right price, a fair price for the category. Yep. Um, at some point, I don't think we're there yet. Uh, you, you should be, or at least have an, uh, a strategy to be. Uh, differentiate yourself within the category right now it's just non-alcoholic right but there's going to be you you actually have there are like non-alcoholic tequila knocks off knockoffs there's there's mixers there's just different things right and so there's going to get a point where how are you differentiating within the category or the subcategory right now it's it's just non-alcoholic but it's going to get to if you look at beverages you have functional you have energy you have CSD, you have sparkling, you have, you know, all these different things. It's going to get that way in non-alcoholics and, and you're going to have to have a way to differentiate yourself. So exactly. Hey, I, I wanted to mention just one more thing, you know, cause I'd be remiss if I didn't. One thing that I just recommend again, this is just my personal recommendation. Like, you know, don't hold me on the hook cause it depends on your brand and your situation that if you can avoid OIs and ma- mandatory OIs and MCBs through the distributor, circumvent them and work directly with the retailers way better. Like they just way better because like you've probably heard of the term forward buying, right? Yep. Uh, I, I did a lot of forward buying as a buyer in my past. So yeah, which is, and, and you're referring to distributor 
distributors, distributors and because it's it's twofold. It's twofold. You have distributors that will forward buy. What we're talking about is when there's an off invoice deal that a distributor can make money off of, they will buy in uh, anticipated. I don't know what their numbers are. Yeah, maybe four to six weeks, depending on the size of their facility and and how fast they can turn to make extra money. Because at the end of the promotion, they're going to sell that low cost merchandise at the (laughs) regular price. But I would would do the same thing um, on the right items because I had my own warehouse. So I would buy a four to six week inventory for the same reason. I'm trying to increase my profits. That promotion ends. I I, I buy low. I sell high. So um, it works both ways. So yeah, yeah, and that's a that's a big thing to look out for. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. Like OIs are always to me at the disadvantage of the brand because the distributor it's a profit center for them. No matter what, they got to make money somewhere. They're going to afford. They're going to buy load up. They're going to they're going to have way more than what they need for the promotion and then they're going to continue selling. And that's why it goes back to it, Wade, like managing your distributor relationships and making sure they're ordering the right amounts. Because when the distributor sends a P.O., the brand has the right to decline the P.O. or adjust it and say, no, let's not don't order that much. Knock that down by 30 percent or whatever. So be very vigilant with your P.O.s from your national distributors. Double check them. Yep. And I know we're out of time or we're close to it. And I, I, we were scrambling last minute, so I did not get something that I love. I don't know. If I, you I, I do. I do have something real quick. Good. Let's see here. And I'll do I'm this gonna, really, really quick. I'm going to throw this back up there. Yes. Yeah. If you want to sponsor our show, blah, 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 blah. CPG, CPG vibes, 100 at gmail.com. So this deal, speaking of promotions, did you get this killer deal at, at Sprouts with Dulcie? Remember I told you guys about the whole aisle? I did. I didn't. I didn't. Still going on. So Mm. literally, I bought nine of these and I got eight for free at Sprouts. So make sure to um, go to Dalcy's website, D-A-L-C-I, and sign up for their SMS texting. And they literally can buy nine of them, photo the receipt, and then they'll give you eight for, they'll, they'll Venmo you. Uh, for eight of them. And then right now it's on sale at Sprouts two for $3. So I don't know, man, it's, I, it's a big deal. And, uh, I gotta check it out. I gotta check it out. Yeah. It's, it's good. And then I also got this, did you get this package? Wade? So, uh, it's a long story. I haven't, I, it's mine, mine, uh, was shipped to the wrong address. Oh, I, I caught that it was shipped to the wrong and corrected it. But as such, it has still not arrived yet. So I'm guessing it's not going to be good once it gets here, but because it's a hundred degrees. Perishable. So yeah. 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 So unless that dry ice is really, really dry and really, really cold, it's probably going to be problematic, but tell me about it. Is it good? Yeah. I've actually not tried it yet. I got it oh. late yesterday. It's uh, the, it's um, I think it's called little sesame, right? That's the name right. of the brand. Yep. Yep. I'm look. Yeah. I was really looking forward to trying it too. Yeah. I got the herby, Jalapeno. These are, I think, 100% organic or majority. Or, I mean, everything on here is organic, super clean. They also send some pita bread to dip it in. So we're going to be, and I'm rubbing my hands together and be enjoying it. You have to let me know how it is because it's going to be a little bit before I get to try it. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll do it enough to let you know how it is without making you jealous. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> All right. Directly. So that is uh, anything from your side? No, no, I, I, we've, we've got it. You know, I, I, we've seen a lot. I, I think we've had some new people on, um, I, we got the, the information up there to sponsor the show. We don't have a sponsor this week. We need some sponsors, email us, 
Um, we'll, we'll try your product. We'll shout you out. We'll do all sorts of fun stuff to, to plug you and your product. So, um, and then I, I you have to do the uh, ongoing sponsor and, yep. uh, that's, I think we're, we're good, right? Hey, we're good. Yeah. So, uh, our ongoing sponsor is V driven, uh, Luke Abbott, who has been, uh, relocated to, um, another episode. It was supposed to be this episode, but we ran behind on things on our side. So they're going to be coming on. October 27th, I believe, Luke Abbott is a CEO and founder of Be Driven. They're a CPG partner for emerging purpose-driven brands. They feel growth and innovation by providing strategies and support every phase of the retail journey. And everything, by the way, everything we've been talking about on this episode, the forward buying, distributor relationships, where to go, where to not go, they know all that. Like, like uh, Luke owned a distribution company that sold to a large national distributor. So he knows the game, he knows the pitfalls, and he can definitely steer you in the right direction. So make sure to have a great, talented team uh, based in Southern California, vdriven.com, as you can see displayed. And uh, Luke, L-U-K-E dot Abbott, A-double-B-O-double-T at vdriven.com. And uh, we did not have time to talk about the whole CNS deal. That'll be for next time. No, episode. I was going to say, we, 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 uh, we went over without it. So yeah, we'll save it, right? Definitely save it. And next week is uh, BevNet. BevNet. They're going to be yeah. coming on. You know, I think it's going to be Ray Latif at least, John Craven potentially. And, uh, and then that'll Mike, be fun. Mike Schneider. That'll be great. And then uh, likely the week after that, um, we're going to be taking off for Expo East, which is, I think, 922, right? Um, so I'm, I'm going to be traveling there likely still not hundred percent confirmed on Thursday. So make sure to text me when you're there on Thursday, which will be nine 21. I think that's the first day of Expo East in Philly. And uh, we will be taking that Friday off. Sounds good. All right. Well, thank you everyone for joining us on episode 84 and we will see you back here next Friday, same place, same time. And uh, wait, great conversation today, buddy. Yes, sir. Enjoyed it. Go Browns. Take care, everyone.